Welcome to Fear and Greed the Week Ahead. I'm Jennifer Duke and I'm joined by economist Stephen Kukoulis. You'll find him at thekook.com, that's T-H-E-K-O-U-K.com, and on X using the handle The Kook. Stephen, good morning. Very good morning, Jen. So firstly, last week, take us through it. There was there was an awful lot happening. Labor force was the, the big numbers that were out. Can you can you talk us through that data? Yeah, the labor force numbers were were solid, I think it's fair to say. Now, we do know, and anyone who's looked at the Bureau of Statistics monthly labour force data know that they are extremely volatile month to month. So uh, having had a small fall in employment the previous month, everybody was anticipating a bounce back, and they certainly got that, plus 65,000 jobs, which was a which was a good rebound. So you're know, averaging a little over 30,000 per month, which is good. But given the size of the Australian economy, it's interesting, and, and my friends at CBA did some interesting work on this, that we need to generate you know, roughly 30,000 jobs per month, coincidentally, to keep the unemployment rate steady, such as the growth in the population in Australia. So that meant that the unemployment rate was steady at 3.7%. So a number that was not inconsistent with the economy slowing down, but certainly a little bit of relief that some of the chatter about per capita GDP recessions and hard landings for the economy are probably not coming through just yet. Firms are still hiring at a at a solid pace, I think it's fair to say, even though the economy is slowing down. The unemployment rate is no longer falling. It's starting to inch up at this stage. But of course, everybody's watching closely that, that growth slowdown the rise in the unemployment rate sort of scenario that's still probably going to be unfolding over the next six to 12 months. And we also had some NAB business confidence data out and some consumer sentiment data, and they both seem to be pointing in different directions. Can, can you talk us through this a little bit? They're diverse. They're, they're really quite incredible <laughs> uh, how different they are. Getting to the business side first, because the business sector, the consumer confidence, were, were pretty good. That businesses are telling the respondents to the surveys are telling us that the business sector is doing quite well. While there is a slowdown occurring in the economy, that it's not troubling for the business sector. You know, profitability, sales, forward orders, while they're sort of you know, middling, they're certainly not all that weak. They're consistent with the economy continuing to grow. And as we saw recently with the CapEx numbers, the business investment numbers that came out a couple of weeks ago, the business sector is still investing. And that's a a good thing. It's one reason why we're very unlikely to have a sort of a nasty recession in the economy anytime soon. So that was the business sector doing pretty well. Consumers, on the other hand, oh dear, we are gloomy. (laughs) Us consumers, everybody listening and you and me and everybody else, we are feeling really pessimistic. And I guess it's this cost of living pressure and which is still there. We've still got wages growth increasing by less than the rate of inflation. So real wages falling. Obviously, even though interest rates have been held steady for the last three months, there's still the pressure on budgets from people with mortgages, particularly big mortgages. And I think just recently, this spike in petrol prices, which of course is a very high profile issue. You can walk down the street, you can drive down the street, you can see (laughs) $2.20, $2.30 for a litre of petrol, my goodness. And um, I think that just sort of feeds into the negative psychology of consumers. So we do know that when consumers are feeling gloomy, they tend to hunker down and, and sort of limit their spending. And that was sort of showing up in the broad household consumption numbers. So a very mixed picture between the business sector doing pretty well, doing reasonably, and us consumers really gloomy. So that was a lot of data last week. So what, what's coming up this week? We've got some some stuff happening at the RBA. Nothing high profile. Well, we've got a new <laughs> RBA governor who started today. That's so right. congratulations to Michelle Bullock. She's the 
new governor taking over from Dr Philip Lowe. She's got a seven-year term. She's taking over at a time, as we've been discussing, that inflation is coming down a bit, unemployment's flat to up and, you know, the economy's weak and there's already 400 points of rate hikes in the cycle. So it'll be fascinating just to see over several months, it won't happen overnight, but over several months, how the modus operandi, if you like, of the RBA will change under her watch in terms of communications, in terms of guidance, in terms of, you know, the revamping of the RBA forecasting process. So that's one big bit of news, which probably doesn't impact anybody today or tomorrow, but it'll be something to watch. What we do have is that tomorrow we get the RBA minutes of their September board meeting. Obviously, they held rates steady for the third straight month. Always interesting to see why they held them steady. What were the factors that forced them not to hike or not to cut and these sorts of things. So we'll be watching that pretty closely just to see what the RBA is thinking. The other news, of course, is, is global. It's from the US where the FOMC meets later this week. There's a well, there's a bit of a discussion. Does the Fed have to hike rates anymore? The, the broad consensus is that probably, probably on hold, that there's a lot of rate hikes in the system in the US. We've got the uh, US economy still starting to ease off a little bit. Not not much. It's been quite resilient. But for the Fed, for the US interest rate cycle, it's probably on hold and rates are at this very high level. Definitely. And just quickly on the spring housing market, we're a few weeks in now. What what are you sort of noticing that's going on and what do you think we can expect? Really good question because everybody loves housing and it is an important economic variable for, for policymakers and the like. But we have seen a big increase in the number of listings. You know, one of the issues that I think was evident in the first part of 2023 was that there were not many people listing their house for sale. So not only was construction relatively weak, but people were sort of hunkering down. They were sitting at home, not selling the house, happy to to sit on their properties. And uh, the, the the absence of new listings was one reason why we had this lift in house prices that not many people were thinking about at the start of the year. So that's now being addressed. It, it's speculative at this stage, of course. We need more data, like all economists. So I want more <laughs> data before I can be sure about these views. But this rebound in house prices that we're seeing pretty much across all capital cities is probably getting people out of the woodwork that they're seeing prices increasing, that their their plans to either downsize or move interstate or move to the tree change, sea change type phenomenon are probably being enhanced by the fact that they can see the prices going up. Now, of course, uh, in time, that extra supply will probably put a bit of a dampener on house prices. So it's one of these wonderful things in the housing market where there's often and always things pushing and pulling prices up and down and down and up. But if we do get this uh, increase in new listings coming through. There's still a bit of financial stress in the consumer side of the economy, as we were just discussing. Maybe, maybe this uh, increase in house prices that we've seen for the last six or seven months start, starts to peter out. Stephen, thank you so much for chatting with us. Have a great week. You too, Jen. Have a fabulous week. And that was economist Stephen Kukoulis, better known as The Kook. You can find him at thekook.com and follow him on X using the handle The Kook. I'm Jennifer Duke, economics correspondent at Capital Brief, and filling in for Sean Elmer. And this is Fear and Greed, The Week Ahead. 